0: Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is Dave Pryor, and today I'm joined by Jeff Howey. Jeff, say hi to everybody.
1: Hello. How's everyone doing? So
0: Jeff and I lead up a lot of the training work at Leading Agile, and today what we're going to do is focus on a question we got from a student in class, which I've sort of added. I'm going to add some of the backstory into it as I prep it for Jeff and for those of you that are listening. So this was in one of the CSPO classes. And this was a question that was something we didn't get to finish talking about because we ran out of time, but how do you coordinate work across multiple product owners who all work within one organization? Let's say they're working on different parts of one larger thing. All these POs have competing priorities and they're all fighting for shared resources. And so my answer was like, well, didn't you see in the video where they talked about the Uber product owner that didn't quite cut the mustard? So I think they want a little bit more detail on at least some things you could do to start to chip away at some of the mess that this creates. So multiple people responsible for getting different parts of a thing done. They're all incentivized different ways. They all have competing strategic things they have to achieve. And they're all fighting for the same group of people to do the work.
1: You know, that that sounds like a everyday occurrence where I have, you know, five of our executives who all want something from me on, on the same day and I can do one or two of them. Yeah. So
0: yeah, Ooh, right. And that you just gave me a fifth step for my solution here. So I have a potential solution ready because I've been preparing, but I want to see where you want to go with it.
1: All right. Well, so it, it's interesting because one of the things that I would really try to start with. And I think this is a do this particular thing and a couple others, which we can get into here. So the first thing I would really, really look at, uh, and we tend to do at Leading Agile, is look at the organizational design and alignment of teams. So I know that it is financially smart and maybe even technically feasible to have Multiple teams with, you know, as a shared resources working on the same kind of platform. Problem that creates, though, is it gives a lot of confusion. You know, if if you've got three or four product owners and you've got three or four teams, any of them can work on it. Well, how do I assign that work? So one of the things I start with is aligning some form of a stable cross-functional team. So I've got people who know the product, they know the functionality, they can test it, they can write the code, they can deliver it. So that stable cross-functional team is aligned to something like a specific capability. And that capability may be in two or three different systems, but they know how to do you know, um, customer data management or address information or claims management across those different platforms. And then that team can work with a specialist type product owner uh, that's one thing. The other maybe it's some kind of feature set. You know, maybe this team, team A, does the primary work on features one, two, and three. Team B works primarily on features four, five, and six. That gives you some alignment of the team. So I think that's the first thing I'd really try to look at. And if possible, either do a test, make the change, or just recognize it's never going to fly in this particular you know kind of setting. <laughs> <laughs> Which I get right. I throw up your hands and be like, yeah, whatever. More than half the time, that's the situation. You can't make the change to align the teams to these capabilities or features, and so then I'd look at some of these other things that we can talk about. But uh, so, so that's where I'd start. So we, you're
0: talking about changing it from like an organizational system perspective to accommodate the production of work in a more healthy way.
1: Exactly. What I look at what what's the goal of agile? It's to be, you know, more effective at delivering value. And if you yeah. can align your teams to, even if it's a small piece of value, I mean, I've, I've worked with teams where their only product is the search API, that's all they work on. Now they could work on the 400 other things in that platform, but that doesn't mean that whole platform would be effective and you'd be able to meet the customer needs around that. And let's say that I've got you know an entire sprint we're stuffing the search APIs. Just not that important. Well, maybe for a sprint, I can put them on another feature set that's a higher priority. But you, you're kind of balancing that on a, a roadmap level basis and saying, look, you know, three sprints from now, the search team doesn't have anything that's super important. Let's put them on this other thing. They've got the capability and skills to do it. But you're managing to that, and then when something for a search team becomes more important, you pull them back. And you you just kind of thread that through, and you're maximizing then the flow of value.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is why I think we're such a good balance because you're talking about getting the patient healthier, and my solution was just stop the bleeding, <laughs> stop the
1: bleeding. So well, I've got a few of those, and that's that's like the the 50 percent of the other cases where it's okay. Each- find ways. And I, there's a couple, you know, we can talk about some of the frameworks for scaling. There's a couple of different techniques that are in mind. And so we can kind of banter around those. Okay. Well, let me, let me pitch mine to you. So the first thing that I was going to suggest was
0: to set up a meeting, get all those POs in a room and just put it out on the table. Like, look, we have this problem and get everybody to admit that it's a problem. Um, Then I think, where I would turn is to senior leadership and say, look, you have to help us understand what's what matters the most strategically to the organization. Because we, and I think this, for a lot of POs, they don't know how decisions are made at a higher level. And it makes it really hard for them to figure out how to prioritize their work. Mm-hmm. So I think if they can get at least an understanding of how the company is prioritizing, they can use that to create their own technique for prioritization across these different groups of people, um, then there, there has to be some rubric or metric or way of saying, this is how we figure out what the most important thing is. Maybe it's cost of delay, maybe it's something else. Um, and then when there's situations where even though you're using that, you still can't come up with a decent answer or an answer that everyone is comfortable with, some some Uber product owner who gets to make the final call. And the, and the last The last part I had originally was everyone's got to agree to each other that they're not going to go around each other's backs and try to do like back channel work or get like special teams work to do stuff. And then the last thing is something that you and I have talked to before with, with Mike and with Jim is find out from management how to tell them they can't have what they want. Yeah. I think that that is a really, and that that might be the thing that guides them to figure out what's most strategically important for them.
1: I think in my mind as you're talking, all of those make sense. And I think that one of the most critical things is that you have to do the alignment on how we prioritize work um, across multiple product owners, sometimes even across multiple products, if you're all competing for say the same project dollars, things like that. Right. So how am we how are we defining and prioritizing the value of you know the set of work around item number A versus B. So organizationally, I think all of the product owners, all of the different products, um, at least within some subset, if not the entire organization, need to align on, what do we define as value? How are we defining effort so that we can come up with some kind of prioritization technique, whether it's you know cost of delay, wait a shortest job first, ROI, something, you've gotta have consistency. I think that's yeah. absolutely critical.
0: So let me let me throw one more wrench into it. What if you're going to end up with just one product backlog for all the work?
1: I think it's even better and more important that you have just one oh, okay. consistent form of prioritizing the work in that case. Because let's say I do have three teams, one big, you know, kind of product backlog. Um, how do I know who should pull what next? What's the most valuable thing for us to do in the next sprint? For each of those teams. I think it's it's really important for the priority to be super clear.
0: Okay. okay. I, had, I had a gig once where I had three product owners managing five products developed by four different teams and they told me they wanted one product backlog. And I just I, when I stopped laughing, I was like okay, look, if you're going to do that, that's fine. But only one of you can talk to these teams about what's the most important thing and you're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. So these uh-huh. three POs they had to meet um, you know, instead of like a scrum of scrums or a backlog refinement meeting with the team, the three POs did backlog refinement together three times a week where they would sit down and look at it all together and prioritize all these things together. And they did end up coming up with some way of deciding this is who wins the argument if we all want something at the same time.
1: So now you're starting to talk about, you know, how do I scale some of those? And that that's one of the things that I was kind of on my mind with this topic was the various f- scaling frameworks. And so, you know, there, there are several different frameworks for scaling. Um, the one I'm going to talk about probably the most because I'm the most intimate and interested in is the one that we use at Leading Agile where you do exactly that. So I have, let's say, a, a product family. I've got, let's even go big. Let's go 10 teams that are all working against one really big kind of product. We've got a whole bunch of different things. Those teams may specialize here and there, but overall those 10 teams have to deliver to this. And that's for build out something like a product team. Uh, Some of the scaling frameworks may call it a program team. There's different names for this product owner team, but it's exactly that your product owner. I'd still use that one product owner even for that huge product. From a terminology perspective, that's the one person who's ultimately responsible for all of the priorities, making sure that it's clear in the backlog, doing things like managing stakeholder and customer expectations, working with all of the different kind of you know product and, and delivery teams to lay out roadmaps. Uh, in our scaling framework, at the delivery team, you know we may call that next level down the person, the one person who talks to the one team and translates the specific backlog items that need to be done by that team, generally call them a a product analyst or something like that, right? Okay. Some of the scaling frameworks may call that the product owner at the team level, your product managers at the the program or the the product team, but terminology is, you know, it's, it's still about the roles and accountability. So that team, let's say I've got 10 product analysts for all of those 10 delivery teams, my product owner kind of at this product level, they have to have a regular cadence. Um, yeah. I don't even know that two or three times a week for an hour is enough in some of these really big situations. Maybe it's you know, a couple of hours a day um, to really get things laid out, manage the, the long-term planning, the near-term prioritization, the comp- decomposition and breakdown of work. That's the key, it's effort, right? It's not just, I'm gonna show up, write a few stories, go to backlog refinement and planning with the team. There's a whole bunch of upfront work To make that stuff ready yeah make sure it's aligned with all your other product peers and then move it forward so that's that's usually the the big shocker for folks is that they come in they realize i have what 10 15 hours of scheduled events and collaboration with the team i now need to add another 10 or 15 with my peers in the product space to make sure that we're bringing the right stuff to the team and not wasting their time, creating rework, all that kind of stuff.
0: And then you've got to add some sort of retrospective function in there as well, because if you don't, I mean, I think in the, it from, in my mind, in this case, the retrospective is like a steam release valve because somebody's going to be not getting what they want and they're going to need an opportunity to try to say, Hey, this system is not fair. Um, or, you know, to question the system. Maybe to make suggestions for how to improve it, because if you don't, you're going to get bad blood, and then that's going to end up with the special projects time.
1: When I think about that piece of it, let's say I've got those ten product analysts with the teams, they're accountable for validating that the stories, you know, accepting the stories were done, um, they were tested, they meet the expectations, and those then product analysts participate in the team level retros. Yeah. The same thing needs to happen at kind of that broader level. Maybe it's you know might be a, at the the product team you've got your product owner product analysts looking at the whole scope of the features they're accountable for validating that that Bigger set of work was completed and acceptable and they should also do a retro. So you're taking what you do at a team and you're just leveling that up and scaling that. And maybe you're looking more at kind of the, the product ownership processes and outcomes at that retrospective. So you're adding some of those same basic behaviors, just bringing it up amongst your product peers to do the same thing.
0: Cool. So I want to add two more pieces of advice here and see what you, how you react to these. So I think that, it's, it should never be in doubt as to whether or not something is more important than something else in an organization. So I think that having this technique be transparent for everyone, or however you're deciding what moves the lever, however you're measuring it, everybody has to have access to that. Everybody has to understand it. It should never be a situation where I'm trying to figure out if my thing's more important than Jeff's because it should always be obvious to all of us. And then we can talk about it. But if we can't even agree to what, you know, what more important actually means, then I think we're in a really bad way. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that in a lot of traditional organizations, management in this kind of environment, management's going to praise the person who, despite all this, manages to get their stuff done. Like the one, the maverick that breaks through the system and finds all the ways to get their thing done, regardless of what's placed in front of them, what obstacles are there, they're the hero. I think in this kind of model, that cannot be something that is honored or praised because for this to work, what we want to honor and praise is everybody working together and following whatever they agree to follow. And somebody sneaking around the back door is not helpful.
1: It's funny because when when working with organizations and trying to help them be healthier, that persona is someone I would actively seek out and understand. How are they successful at getting the work done? And I, I usually, I'll find a couple of patterns. One is they're just really loud, abrasive, assertive. <laughs> um, they go to the you know the Do right this squeaky wheel, yeah, squeaky wheel. You know that's one way. Another is they have some kind of positional uh, influence. You know, they because they outrank others in the management hierarchy, what they say goes. You've got some kind of special prioritization code that you just apply. You know, like I've actually seen teams where if uh, this is a real situation, if Regina wanted it, it had got a times two multiplier. Okay. The product head, right? Well, yeah. If everyone agrees, that's okay. If not everyone agrees and it's just kind of like a shadow prioritization multiplier, that's probably not okay. Um, so yeah, I I would look for those. The other thing then is what you want to do is translate those behaviors into something you can actually measure. So loud and abrasive, probably not the best approach. You know, someone with some kind of positional or influence or insight into customers, I think that's valid. You can give that. But the other then is, I need to define how are we defining value. The way you define value, the way I define value, are probably very different. We have different. Yeah different perspectives we've got to be able to quantify those um and you can you can build these like rubrics right maybe i'm interested in revenue so growth in revenue your interest is in reducing cost well we can put metrics you know we can say this three is a value we assign for jeff's increase of revenue of a thousand dollars three is what we would assign to dave's reduction in cost of 500 to a thousand dollars, right? You can build those things into your system so that it's very clear what we're doing to prioritize all that.
0: What about the, so I was actually, when I suggested it, I was thinking more of like the rogue actor that's kind of like, you know, this hustler, Raider O'Reilly type guy that's going to be like, well, if you give me a a basket of peaches, I'm going to trade them to this guy who's going to give me a carton of milk. I'm going to give it to that guy who's going to give me like an apple pie. And then I take the apple pie over here and they give me software. Like the people that have a lot of social influence and can call favors. And um, to me, that's that's like a a sneakier and and bigger issue. Like as a project manager, that was like my skill set. Like that's what made me good at the job. But in this kind of environment, I think that that, you're like bleeding capacity out of
1: multiple systems for your own. I think the skill and ability to do that is actually something I would value as a product owner, product leader, right? To be able to say, Hey, look, I I get that. Here's the thing I want. Here's the trade-off I want to make. Um, I'm willing to exchange this for that. I think there's some piece of that that's valuable, but using it in kind of under the radar way to go and get your way at the expense of everything else is not what I would do. So I think that there's a blend of the mix that with with certain things, but also pull in um, the the metrics. How do I actually measure these types of things?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, I did an interview with Jim Benson the other day, and um, we were talking about like systems thinking and stuff like that, and. One of the questions I asked was, I'm like, well, it sounds like you're asking like the developer on the team to be looking at the entire organization and making their choices for the benefit of the good of the entire company instead of just worrying about the work that they have to do. And you said, yes, that's exactly what I'm asking for. And I was like, what the – like? <laughs> I mean, that'd be nice, but we're not paying that guy to think that way. But I think in this case, everybody has to be thinking we succeed as, we succeed or fail as one instead of in separate parts. I
1: think it's just a cultural a, change. It's cultural and it's critical. It's like that's the need for an aligning vision, clarity of strategy. Like if if your hands-on keyboard developers and testers and people who deploy code don't understand what how the work they're doing ties back to our product strategy. I think there's a huge gap there, right? Because all along the way, you want your product leadership and your strategist to to align. You want your product owner and and product team to be aligned to that same work. You want your development and and deployment teams to understand that as well, because that gives you, I think one is it gives you a little energy. Everyone's kind of moving in the same direction. The other is it gives you a little bit of a stopgap for even a developer to question, like, why the heck am I doing this? I don't see how it's tied to our goals for the year. Or for our revenue, or any of that, right? You can ask those questions and push back where it's needed um, to to stop those situations where someone has snuck something in or gone around the, the the loop, things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, like my favorite example of this kind of thing is that story about JFK asking the the maintenance worker at NASA what he what he did, and the guy was mopping the floor and said he's helping to put a man on the moon because that is. He saw a direct connection between his activities and getting somebody onto the moon. And I think if you're, I think we both agree about this. Like if you don't have that, that insight into how what you're doing solves whatever the great problem is, then what's the point? There's no way you can make good decisions.
1: That, and I, I I totally agree. I think the, the um, burden a little bit on kind of the, the, visionaries that are driving some of that is to also be consistent. Like I've recently worked with a client where every two or three months they they change direction and priority and who they want to satisfy and customer vision. That itself is also problematic. So yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know in some cases, especially as a startup, you're you're doing that intentionally. It's like, where is my market? I don't know yet. I've got this great idea. I want to, I want to find the market. Um, but I think as long as everyone understands even that direction, that what we're trying to do is build a customer base, that itself could be aligning, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, or even find the market, like we've, we've got this idea, we've got to figure out if it resonates, if everybody's aligned behind that, then yeah, then they're making those choices, cool. This was great, man, thank you for taking time out for this. Always a pleasure to talk. What, what if people want to reach out to you and follow up with some more questions?
1: Uh, yeah, a couple of different ways, I'm on LinkedIn, you can find me, Jeff Howie. And then the other way is to email me Jeff at leading agile.com is a good way to do it. The other way is, uh, can I keep track of what we're doing on our, our blog and our training posts and all of our, our updates that are coming out in the next year.
0: Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, man. And uh, if you're listening to this, hopefully we'll see you in one of our classes, uh, coming up soon. If you have any questions about them, just reach out to us and both of us, our contact information for both of us is in the show notes. Uh, cool dude. Thanks a lot.